is Len Hughes, the voice of rock. Hey everybody, this is Pat Torpy from Mr. Big. And you're listening to Music Mania. I want you to want me. The dream police. Your mama's alright. Your daddy's alright. But just seem a little bit weak. Scream for me, Brazil! Scream for me, Brazil! So let's rock and roll all night! Come on every day! In the words of ACDC, we roll tonight to the guitar bite. And for those about to rock, I salute you. You are now listening to the Music Mania Podcast, brought to you by CD Warehouse in Gladstone, the number one hard rock podcast in the Midwest, featuring hard-hitting interviews with rock's living legends. And now, here is your host, Clint Schweitzer. The carefree days of the summer of 2019 are dissipating slowly into the sunset, but that does not mean that the fun is going away because here on the Music Mania Podcast, we are bringing you more shows, more interviews, more podcasts. That's what we do. So thank you so much for joining me here. Again, it's always appreciative. Um, If you go ahead and hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, Spotify or Stitcher, um, even iHeartRadio. So we're available on all those mediums. If you have a smartphone, you have access to this show. And I'll tell you what, um, like I said, summer may be ending, but things are just getting ramped up for us. Just coming off of a tremendous weekend in St. Louis where I caught uh, two different concerts. Last Saturday, I caught the Wayback Point Fest, which was at Hollywood Casino Amphitheater there. Huge crowd on hand to see bands um, like Collective Soul, who was the headliner. Uh, You had Gin Blossoms, Everclear, The Urge, uh, Living Color, um, and Goldfinger. Those bands all kind of ascended upon this venue. There was a, a side stage. And it was great to see um, Collective Soul in this headlining environment. There were some weather delays uh, due to a storm that kind of moved in, but uh, Collective Soul came in, headlined the evening, had to cut their set short just a bit, but I thought it was tremendous. They got their hits in. Always great to hear songs like December, Shine, Heavy, um, The World I Know, and they got uh, two songs in from their new album, Blood, which is awesome as well. We had Johnny Rabb from Collective Soul on the show around the time that Blood came out uh, a few months back. So that was a really good warm-up for the weekend. Uh, Always good seeing Gin Blossoms. Man, we had Robin Wilson on this show a few months back as well, and uh, I'm just a huge fan of the Gin Blossoms. I've seen them like five times in the last two years in different venues. I've seen them at a winery. I've seen them at a Mizzou football game opening up outside the venue uh, at a NASCAR race and uh, everywhere in between. They're just always out there, always playing shows. You know all the hits from Gin Blossoms. Uh, Follow You Down, um, certainly... Hey, Jealousy, Till I Hear It From You. The Jim Blossoms, were did, they were actually open the main stage um, at that show, and it was uh, tremendous to hear from them, and it was a great night. Um, and then that transitioned into the headliner of the weekend, certainly, was uh, Kiss, End of the Road Tour, same venue, Hollywood Casino Amphitheater, and I did the meet and greet experience, and let me just tell you, I know a lot of people kind of make fun of that, uh, look down on that, the whole meet and greet experience that bands like to do. I think it's a tremendous avenue for bands to generate extra revenue. You can make the argument that Kiss, of all bands, maybe doesn't need that revenue. But you know what? When you get this experience, and I'll tell you, I've been critical of it in the past, too, saying I'd never pay money to do this. But when it all happened, it was a surreal experience, and they did it the right way. They really treated the people that bought this package like a VIP. Uh, You got to go back into this uh, captain's lounge. 
kind of shaded from the elements where you got to enjoy free food and drinks and a meet and greet with Doc McGee, the band's manager and longtime manager from Motley Crue, Bon Jovi, Scorpions, so many more. He came in and just kind of shot the breeze with fans. It was awesome. Like he just came in, shared stories about how he didn't like Motley Crue's movie, The Dirt, and um, stories about managing the crew and and Kiss, certainly. So it was cool. And then at the end, you get whisked into this room where obviously you do a quick picture with Kiss, get a quick meeting. But just being there in the presence of Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons, this legendary tandem that I've been such a fan of my whole life, to be in there, to get a picture, you get a quick fist bump, quick, quick hello. But to be in their presence in full regalia and full makeup, it is surreal. It was amazing. Uh, got the pictures back the next morning. And so you just felt, I don't know, the whole thing exceeded my expectations. So I'd advise anyone that hasn't caught KISS yet to check in, keep checking back because KISS are going to keep this tour going. We're told through 2021, January of 2021, there's going to be some more B markets released here coming up. So you're going to see KISS back in America and doing this until January of 2021. So, guys, on this show, we're going to take you into our way, way back machine to four years ago, an interview that happened that's one of our most famous interviews, and it's an interview that took place before this was even available as a podcast in a traditional format. I used to put all our shows up on YouTube only. Of course, about this time, four years ago, I switched to the podcast format. Our shows are all archived on YouTube, but we really focus on uh, getting everything on iTunes and Google Play and, and Stitcher and Spotify. It's all there. But this is before that happened. So this episode has never aired uh, traditionally as a podcast here. So I wanted to bring back to it because it's our most famous interview ever. It's with Johnny Rod from Wasp. Gosh, he played on albums like Inside the Electric Circus, Headless Children, The Crimson Idol. Uh, you know, he's the guy that had the, the big, huge, long blonde hair. He stood out in Wasp because all the rest of the members, uh, you know, you had Chris Holmes, of course, the blonde hair, but, you know, Blackie Lawless. And, um, you know, they, they stood out. He had this huge hair. He was, like, known for his hair as this bass player. He was a wild playing bass player. And Johnny is known to be a little eccentric. So we had Johnny on four years ago in this interview. It went, it blew up because Johnny was out of his mind. He was drinking and driving. He was absolutely just making no sense, and it was insane. So I wanted to bring this interview back for those that haven't heard it because I figured four years later, it was only available on YouTube, that fans need to hear this. It was insane. I've been in contact with Johnny recently, actually, um, because we're not here to just glorify and you know make fun of Johnny and, hey, look at this idiot. Like I love Johnny. He's a, he's a good friend, someone I'm in contact with, and we're trying to get another interview. So hopefully a follow-up interview to this will occur. I've been in contact with him about doing that. So we are definitely hoping to make that happen. And uh, this is just insane. Like, it's one of those interviews that you, you lose control of it. I've rarely ever lost control of an interview. But it happened with Johnny Rod. He's driving around. He's drinking. I, I can't condone any of this behavior, but it is it is entertaining. It is unbelievable. It's kind of sad at times. But our hope is that Johnny's turned it around a little bit and that things are going better for him. I know he was playing in a member, um, in a version rather of King Cobra with Carmine Apice and uh, Paul Shortino. I'm not really sure what the story is on that. We're going to try to get a hold of Johnny again to maybe get more information and see what's going on um, in the King Cobra camp. So um, we're going to take you to this. Um, before we take you back to 2015, um, we've got to tell you about our sponsor, CB Warehouse in Gladstone, Missouri. It's for over 22 years, a staple of the Northland. They buy, sell, and trade CDs, DVDs, vinyl, and more. 
Do not let the vibe of the old school record store go by the wayside. Give them a visit off Antioch Road in the Northland today. Tell them Music Mania sent you and there will be a discount or it's on us. Louder Than Life, America's premier three-day rock festival, comes to Louisville's Highly Festival grounds at the KY Expo Center, September 27th through 29th, starring Guns N' Roses, Slipknot, Disturbed, Rob Zombie, Godsmack, Marilyn Manson, Breaking Benjamin, Chevelle, Hailstorm, and many more. Single day and weekend passes are available now at louderthanlifefestival.com. Hi, I'm Rebecca Lieb. And I'm Jason Horton. And we're the hosts of Ghost Town, a comedy podcast about all places abandoned, tragic, mysterious, haunted, and true crime That's not a word. <laughs> we cover all kinds of locations like... The Los Feliz Murder House. An L.A. murder frozen in time. Action Park. The world's most dangerous amusement park. JonBenet Ramsey's house, Woodstock 99, the Cecil Hotel, and the Black House. Ooh, Satan. Mm. So pause the podcast you're currently listening to immediately and go subscribe to Ghost Town. You can find us at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. That's the greatest intro we've ever had. That's the greatest intro we've ever had here on the Music Mania podcast. Johnny Rod. Welcome to the radio, man. Wish you were here in album 1975. I bought that album when it was brand new. <laughs> Johnny Rod, welcome. He goes, oh, I've always had a deep respect and I mean that most sincerely. He goes, and then he says, the band is, is fantastic. That is really what I think. And oh, by the way, which one's pink? <laughs> <laughs> Johnny, Johnny, you're a you're a you're a fellow Midwesterner, man. You're a fellow Midwesterner. You're from. You're from. Saint Louis. I'm driving down. I'm I'm driving down a road drinking while I'm driving. That's not. We will not. We will not be alerting any law enforcement. It's most people just don't learn how to drive drunk. That's the problem. Most people just don't learn how to drive drunk, and that's the problem, man. So, hey. Oh, fuck that shit. I drink, I, drink, I drink while I'm driving. While I'm driving down a road. <laughs> well, hey, we got we to gotta figure out what's been up with you, man, because you uh, you used to be all over social media. You, used... you shouldn't drink then drive. I go, I don't drink then drive. I drink while I'm driving. <laughs> what? Okay, Johnny, tell us. I'm driving down a fucking road right now, man. Well, tell us what's been up, man. You've been uh, you've been off the grid for a little while again. Okay. What's been up? Hold on a second, man. Hold on a second. Hold on. All right. Let's turn the volume up a little. <laughs> I was listening to the Pink Floyd Band album. Wish you were here. I bought that album when it was brand new. I was a kid. That's great stuff. School. Great stuff, man. You didn't you didn't even need any weed to really enjoy that one. I don't need no weed, man. <laughs> I did all that shit back in the early seventies. What what did you? weed when the shit was around. You can't get that shit no more like that. Well, what the hell have you? What the hell have you been up to, man? You've been off the grid for uh, for a little while. What's what have you been up to? Off the grid? Shit, I'm ready, man. King Cobra's gonna go play next year. We're doing the Swedish Rock Festival and some dates in Germany. But next next year they're booking us now. I was gonna ask you about King Cobra, man. The two albums you guys have done since uh, in 2010 and 2013. Those are great. Yeah. Well, anyway, Carmine called me last week. He said they're gonna book us for a Swedish Rock Festival and some dates in Germany and some other shit. I said, I said, I told Carmine, I said, I don't play with drummers that suck. <laughs> <laughs> You are. You're in luck there. Well, you got Paul Shortino's doing the Raid in the Rock Vault thing right now. Oh, that's, uh, don't, don't, don't even ask me questions about that because you won't like what I say. Well, what, what, do, you, what do you think about it? <laughs> it's not. 
Don't even go there, man, because you know what? Uh, it's called I'm a cover band, okay? Playing on a nice stage with nice lights and PA, so I don't hear it. Hey, I'm with you. I'm with you. So, King Cobra, you got, you got some dates. Wait, wait, now, what do you want to do? Are we gonna, am I going to be, what are you going to do? You're going to record an interview, or what do you want to do? Yeah, yeah, no, we're going to record, yeah, we we're recording, recording it right now, my man, absolutely. We're on. Shit. I, <laughs> wait, wait a minute, so, so, so we're not live. So no, no, no. No, no, no. Yeah, you can cut. You can. Yeah, hey, we're uncensored here at the Music Mania podcast. Uh, Johnny Rod, don't worry about a thing. We're rolling. You don't have to worry about it. We got you going here, and we're just glad to glad to have some King Cobra back. Cause I'll tell you what, those two albums you guys did were very well received. Very good albums. Uh, it's good to see you guys capitalizing on that. We're going to get you guys going. Go ahead, uh, go ahead ma'am. Yeah, it's funny, man. Carmine called, texted last week, and I didn't, and I didn't text him back. And then you know, he, he said, you know, they want to book us. Swedish Rock Festival, Germany, and so I didn't text him, but he calls me, he goes, hey, and I said, scumbag, because I call him scumbag, I said, our nickname, and he goes, fuck you, and I said, um, and I said, I don't play with drummers that suck, man, I'm wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I, <laughs> hey, hey, man, I've known a guy for years, I can joke with him like that, if, you know, I know I, well, I feel like just the name Apathy, I think, gives you the, I mean, the, the those drummers don't suck. If your name's Apathy, you probably don't well, suck at drums. Let me tell you something about Carmine. I, you know, I talk about that, but you know what? Let me tell you something. That guy is the original power rock drummer. He taught Bottom. Bottom. Bottom learned from him. He was a, Led Zeppelin was open for Vanilla Foot. Hey, man. <laughs> well, <laughs> was, anyway, you know what I'm saying? So Carmine is the original power rock drummer. Regardless, I don't give a damn what anybody says. He's this, he's that. But you know what? The guy is the original. Power rock fucking beating the shit out of the drums and cactus and little fudge man of them bands back then. Come on, man. Oh, that was a monster. Absolutely, and it's good. And you can talk good about him. That's hey. And if you if you can say something good about him, then that means he's good. That means he's good. Paul Sortino, uh, yourself, Carmen Apice, you put together this version of. Uh, well, you know what? You know what? You, you know you got the original guys. Every, all the original got people from King Cobra except for uh, Mark Free, who's a uh, Marcy now. <laughs> well, I was gonna say. Fine, you know that's cool. Whatever you want to do, man. But you know what? You can cut anything off your body you want. But you're still a man. <laughs> well, I, I was gonna say there's no fear of anyone. <laughs> if I cut my hand off, if I cut my hand off, I'm still John. I'm still a man. I just ain't got no hand. <laughs> <laughs> There's no, there's no fear of anybody else falling, uh, falling by the wayside. Is there? I mean, you guys, there. I don't think uh, Jonna free, if John, Jonna Rod would have the same ring to it. It doesn't, you know. No, John Rod doesn't. It's just, you know, it's just. Man, I've had that name since 1970. Some uh, girl gave me that name. Dude. <laughs> It, it worked well for you, man. You had the look back in the 80s. You had the name. You had the hair. Say something, man. In 1978 in St. Louis, I, some girl gave me that name six years before I ever even went to California. You understand? So I was I was using that name six years before I ever joined King Cobra in 1984. I mean, it was... Uh, had to do with something, and uh, you know, and I started using it. And when I went to L.A., I just continued using it, and it was that's what it was, you know. And uh, and that's what, you know, that's that persona, man. That, that's that's the, the guy, you know. That's like, I'm on the stage. How did you get hooked up with uh, King Cobra to begin with out there? How did I get hooked up? Well, man, friends of mine were, were roadies for Steppenwolf back in the 83 and 84. And they happened to be out there in the summer in 84. And they were they were a tweet one night. They couldn't sleep. They were, they were at 7-Eleven, 2 in the morning, and they picked up a musician magazine. This is how it happened. This is really how it happened. And they literally saw this ad that said, Carmine of Peace wants young, aggressive bass player for a metal band. Must sing great, must look great, must play great, blondes only. And they said, fuck, is this shit? John's perfect guy, so they, gave me, they called me on the phone, and I got the number, and I called it the next day, and I went out and got an audition. I got an audition. I talked to them, literally talked to them, and they to getting me, because because they had already made up their mind after the 30 second, 32 guys they audition. But I talked, I literally talked, and screaming on the phone and acting like a maniac on the phone of Carmine. 
I literally talked him into to get to let me come out and audition. And I flew out there and auditioned right there in Carmine's house. I got the gig, got it, and they got it. And then I came back and I joined band. <laughs> that's how it happened. That's true. That, that's exactly how it really happened. It was that simple. I mean, you guys had some success. You did uh, did a song for the Iron Eagle soundtrack, a movie I still watch. Uh, you know, at least once a month. Great film. You guys did a sound for that. And you guys had some momentum there. Well, you know, man, Capitol Records uh, dropped uh, the over two albums, and Wasp happened to sing it. We were touring with Wasp and Ted Nugent in Texas. King Cobra was opening, and they happened to be to see me, and, I, and at the time I didn't know it, but Blackie was uh, planning on switching from bass, going back to guitar, because he was not really a bass player. And, uh, and they, were, they, were, they watched me on the tour, and then at the end of that tour, they called me. Chris Holmes called me, actually, he was drunk. <laughs> no, I, no, I will not accept that. I thought it was a maniac on the phone. Lost for the Electric Circus uh, era album and tour, and what I mean, what what was the experience like? I mean, Wasp had already gained some notoriety, had released their first album, and then uh, Last Command, and then here comes Electric Circus. What happened was Blackie called me and said, "You want to come up and talk to me? I'm talking about." I said, "Sure, I'll check it out, man." So I went to the recording studio where they had already done some tracks on that inside the Electric Circus album, and uh, there was a song on it called "I Don't Need No Doctor." And I've been playing that song since 1972. You know, the Pebble Pies version is my favorite version. You know, the Rock and Fillmore album. <laughs> but anyway, like you was saying, we got the song on call, I don't need a doctor, do you know it? I said, shit. <laughs> I said, shit, put that shit on. He said, put it on the car. I said, turn it on. He said, you keep, well, key A, E, right? He goes, yeah, I go, okay. So he said, he said, try playing this. So, so I, uh, I, uh, played the track and they used that, and they used that, what I did all for the album. <laughs> One take. Wow. <laughs> and you guys, you guys had a pretty big tour, uh, with Electric Circus, so I went out, and uh, what, what what was some of your experiences on that tour? I think you guys, I know you guys headlined some shows, but you opened for some, did you, would you guys open for Maiden on that tour? Yeah, we, were, we, we did yeah. a Somewhere in Time tour for Iron Maiden. Yeah, yeah. I can't tell you about some of the shit we did this week. I go to jail. <laughs> hey. Me and Chris in Europe. Chris Holmes. Crawling on the ground in, in Lisbon, Portugal. I couldn't remember. I just remember grass. Trying to get back to the hotel. We were so drunk. <laughs> so we were, talking, we were talking about Wasp, and we are talking about... You know your time, your time with the band, which was uh, a huge era. You're talking about it's Electric Circus. You're talking about yeah, Electric Circus, man. Yeah, that was cool. Like I was telling you about with that uh, when I did the song, I just I said put it on, man. I don't need no doctor. I, and I played along with the track and they recorded it and he used it on the album because it was one take. I just I got it. I knocked it off one take and I was just messing around. That was like I like I guess it was kind of like an audition. I don't know, but I got the gig. And so uh, Capitol was dropping King Cobra right at that time. Which it worked out well because then I just walked, I just stepped from King Cobra right into Wasp. It was a great transition. You were a perfect fit for the band. What was it like? Though? I mean, you hear the stories about Blackie Lawless. So just get him out of the way now. What was it like working with Blackie? Well, was, well working with Blackie. Well, I'm gonna tell you something. The guy's an adamant professional, man. You know, he's, uh, you know, he's, he, he knows what he wants to do. He, you know, he's, he's got his, he's got his, he's, he knows exactly how he wants it to be. And he goes for it, you know. But see, one of the reasons why they hired me wasn't just because I play well, because I mean, I've been playing bass for what forty-eight years now, but I could sing. See, see, I did a lot of singing. A lot of people don't realize this, but live, when we played live, I, I sang half of the songs. I mean, he would sing a line or two, and I'd sing a line or two because, you know, if you got to sing like that for six, to eight months straight, you know, every four or five times a week, and you're going, <laughs> you know, it's tough on your voice, man. So. So he knew I could sing, so you see, so I, I, I sold her having a bird, man, live, I used to sing a lot of stuff live, and all the harmonies, and, uh, 
but it's, it's great working with Blackie because you know he just uh, he you know the guy the guy knew what he wanted to do, man. You know. <laughs> well, Very professional. well, well, you 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 guys you did Crimson Idol uh, as well, and as well as Headless Children. I mean, great albums with the band, great time. What was the the Idols a whole, a whole different ball game? That was a concept album, a lot of different melodies, a lot of different tones. What was what was working on on that like? Well, man, that that, that was Blackie. He was uh, he had a yeah the idea. He was like uh, like Pete Townsend, you know, when he did those uh, concept albums. Remember back in the early seventies, you know, the who people they had like, those rock opera albums, you could call them whatever. That's what they called them back then, you know. But it was just an idea about the, the life of a you know life of a, of, a, of a rock star, what, you know, what sort of, sort of reality that goes along with it, you know, people, 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 have, they really don't know, you know, they got, they, they, they know what they see in the magazines and on the videos and on the, but they never really know people, you know, they really know the, the actual reality of, of living, because uh, you're, we're just normal people, man, you know, we just, you know, it's like I tell people, I just, you know, there was three me and somebody else, I get paid for what I love to do. <laughs> they pay me for this, you know, but, you know, and the rest of the time, man, we're just, we're real, we're just people, you know? But you see, I never forgot where I came from, that's me. I never forgot where I came from, so I never became, I never got the attitude of some so-called rock stars, they act like, all of a sudden, they act like, hey man, I'm, I'm now that I'm recording, I'm some, put some music on a piece of vinyl or on a CD, that I'm different than you, I'm different today than I was yesterday. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. You just got the, it's just so many contracts that you, a record company contracts you to put some music down on a piece of vinyl or a piece of plastic, and they paid you for it. <laughs> now, now, you know, and, and, and songs and feelings that you feel might touch other people, of course, you know, because that, that, that's the nature of it, but, you know, and the, I, I never, I never can get with any of those people who are, who are, who got attitudes, you know, like, well, I'm, I'm cool now, you can't touch me, get the hell out of here, man, get the fuck out of here. No, I don't act that way to people. Uh, I'm, I'm still John... You know, I'm still John, crazy fucking asshole in South St. Louis. <laughs> I just got, I just got to live my dream, and I dreamed it from the time I was six, seven years old when I heard the Beatles, and 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 it, and it made it happen. You know. <laughs> well, you're, you're on the phone with me, so obviously you're not big time in anybody uh, these days. But you, you're kind of an enigmatic figure, Johnny Rod, because you kind of uh, disappeared. You know, after leaving Wasp, you kind of went, yep. went away, and just kind of. Kind of set the scene for us. What uh, your mindset was, what you were up to. And, I mean, you're like a well, man, in nineteen in ninety two after the, that that tour, you know, uh, I just I needed it. It was time. I, mean, I was getting pretty wild on drugs. I was a maniac. I was going crazy. I'm a wild man. I really still am. I, I believe our basic personality doesn't really change. We just run out of wind. <laughs> but besides that, man, I just needed to step back for a while because I had a a daughter, you know, and things like that. And I needed to step back for a while. And uh, so, uh, you know. After that, I just decided to, to, to knock it off for a while because needed to, man, for for, for uh, several reasons. And so I did that for a while, and it just ended up being that long. And I didn't realize it was going to take that long. And I got out there for a while. I was, you know, I was out of my mind for a while, like so happens to some people. Like on Forrest Cobra, he said, I ran for three years, two months, you know, I was running. And I did a lot of running for a lot of years. When I finally came back down, man, you know, and then when I, see, actually in, two, in the year 2000, Carmine, we were going to do a, a King Cobra reunion then, but it just, it felt, it just, it, it didn't happen. It fell through, man. And so nothing happened for another 10 years, and then 10 years, and, you know, I just, uh, you know, I was just living, living life, man. I was doing, I did several things, you know. But, and, hey, 
Hey, you know what, man? Like I said way back in the years, I was like, keep on rocking, bro. I still rock today just like I did 25, 30 years ago. <laughs> I don't, man. I still got the same amount of energy. I don't stop. <laughs> What's it like? What, what was it like going coming back and playing? Uh, I know you guys did a lot of live shows with King Cobra when you released the albums. What, what was it like getting back on stage playing? I know you done a lot. Well, of- that was cool, man, because, you know, I, I love uh, Dave and, you know, uh, well, Carmine, you know, talk about it. It's an honor to play with a guy like that. That guy's, that guy's, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a legend, man. Like I told you earlier, he's a, the original power rock drummer. That guy, I was listening to albums in 1970, in 71, 72, I was listening to Carmine playing on albums like Back Over to Peace and Cactus and all that stuff. I was listening to that shit. I was in high school, man. And then 1984 comes on and I'm in a band with him. I mean, I imagine what that felt like. I was like, oh, holy shit, you know? But, you know, but I, I, you know, when 84 came around, I was ready, you know? I'd been playing for. I started playing when I was uh, eight years old, you know. I mean, and uh, but it, it, you know, it, it, it felt just like it was great to see Dave and Mick, you know. And Paul Sortino is, is such a great singer. The guy's voice, you know, he sings like a man. He sings. He's got power, you know. And the guy's got balls. And he sings his ass off. And you know, it was great. I know Mark Free was great. He really was, you know. But somewhere along the line, sometimes people just they lose whatever that drive is or whatever it is that they had then, and they lose it, you know. And uh, but Paul Sortino was a good guy to come in and step. But I love the fact that in, in King Cobra, it's still the same four musicians. You know what I mean? The same four guys making the music: me, Dave, Mick, and Carmine. So it's so the only difference is the guys singing, but the same musicians. See, so it's going to have that same feel and that same drive, man, that we had back then. Like. <laughs> But you toured with Iron Maiden. Uh, you, it was, was this the first time? Yeah, we toured with Maiden, man. I could tell you some funny-ass stories about Maiden when I was with the, with the uh, Wasp, man. With that, that first tour was uh, 86, yeah, somewhere in time tour. That's when I had, ju- I had just joined the band in uh, June of 86. And we went on tour with uh, Maiden in October of that year, somewhere in time tour, and they inside the Electric Circus album. That was great, man. It was cool. Because we headlined in, uh, in England, Ireland, and Scotland, and then we met up with Maiden over in Europe. You know, we, we did Europe with that for two months. And... Uh, it was great, man, watching them guys there nice. <laughs> they pretty professional. Was, I mean, you met Bruce Dickinson for the first time. It was a pretty professional gig for the for the Maiden guys. They weren't probably as as uh, as, as partiers as uh, maybe like you and Chris Holmes. Well, I don't know, man, because, uh, uh, you know, I, uh, yeah, a couple of them were. I'm not going to say which one because they need for me to say, but a couple of them were, were pretty much on our level. <laughs> Nico. Nico, Nico. That was 1986, 87, man. Come on, you know. In those years, it was... Uh, <laughs> We 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 went we went wild, you know what I mean? But um, no, it was still cool. It was cool. I used to watch him every night, you know, because I, uh, I used to watch Eddie run out on the stage, man, and the big uh, number of the beast thing, the big thing go up over the cabin. It was cool. <laughs> One memory that stands out, just a, a show, a tour, anything with Wasp, playing in front of a oh, huge crowd. Yeah, uh, one memory of uh, Wasp that stands out the most, and you know, let me think, man, that's a tough one because there was there were so many, you know. There were so many, uh, depends on what kind of memory. <laughs> I remember, let's see. Oh, yeah, I remember one time at this one show. Uh, yeah, I was somewhere in Europe, and uh, and during Maiden's show, me and, me and sometimes me and Chris would, would uh, uh, climb up in the scaffolding like a like a 80, 100 feet above the stage, you know? And uh, Chris was eating an apple. One time we were walking up there, he had an apple, he was eating it. We, we had already done, we were finished, and we were watching Maiden. And we were standing up above Nico. But it does, and it was between songs, and Bruce was out there talking to people, right? He was talking to the audience. And we were going, fuck you, Nico, fuck you, over down the end of his shit. He's going, fuck you. And Chris took his apple, 
and and Nico's uh, snare drum was kind of tilted. So <laughs> Chris took his apple, he dropped it, and it went boom! It snapped back right in Nico's face. <laughs> <laughs> And right in the face, he goes, I'll kill you, motherfucker! Fuck you! You see, that's the kind of shit that goes on backstage, and on the stage that people met that the audience don't see, you know? And we were just laughing our ass off, man. I remember meeting Rick Allen. I, like, I became friends with Rick Allen on that tour in 86 in Holland. And uh, he came to the show, and we were playing that for Maiden. And I got, I was, became friends with Rick, and he took me back to the studio that that, that, that night. I met all the guys in uh, Def Leppard and... Uh, and uh, Mutt Lang, the, produ- the producer, you know, and uh, they were recording uh, that, what, what album? They were recording Hysteria then. They were actually recording Hysteria in 1986. And uh, I remember meeting them all. And, be- and to this day, we're still friends, you know. I just saw Rick on, uh, the other night, actually. He was in uh, St. Louis here. Yeah, and I went backstage. Here. I went backstage at that place. Uh, and it's funny because because I've seen him play. Like, I've seen him play in Vegas over there. And, I've seen him, and I go to see him and I visit, you know. And then, uh, like the other night, I see, and I said, well, I'm going to go, man, I'll see you guys later. He goes, hey, did you go to stay for the show? I said, no, I already seen you guys play. You suck, man. <laughs> and they all laughed. So they go, shut up. I go, you know, I go, no, I want to see you show. You suck. <laughs> I tell everybody they suck, but I don't really mean it, you know. It's just what I say to people, you know, because I like it when people tell me I suck because... You know, it's great. It gives us some, some ammunition to start shit about. <laughs> did you? What is your relationship like with uh, Chris Holmes uh, today? Oh, today, well, I you know I haven't talked to Chris. So I talked to him. I think it's been a couple months since I talked to him because he's over there in Europe, and I Skype. I do it on Skype. You know, I Skype him and Sarah, and uh, you know, oh well, man, me and Chris will always be friends because you know, man, the first tour I was rooming with the guy, you know, on the first tour, and it's like <laughs> he he come in. Two or three in the morning, drunk as hell, fall on top. They go, I love you, man, I love you. <laughs> I go, get the fuck off me, man. <laughs> but I didn't care. I can remember that, like I told you, in Lisbon, Portugal. I remember we had a, we were showing Maiden in Portugal, and we had a day off, and then we had to show, we had another day off. We went downtown to the in-town square, and every bar we went to were giving us free alcohol. We were, all I remember, I don't even remember how we got back to the hotel. Well, I remember it was me and him crawling on the ground somewhere. <laughs> I you know, they can say what you want about it, but, you know, it's still, man, it was times that I remember, you know. And, but, you know, some of the funnest times weren't even playing on a stage. It was other time, other shit, you know. <laughs> well, you, know you know, of course, Wasp is still playing. What do you what do you think of, uh, you know, the current version of Wasp? They've only been touring. The, current, uh, the current thing? Well, you know, um, I, you know, I haven't heard the new album go out, you know. But, I, you know, I, I, I think that, uh, in my, my honest opinion, you know, is that it's not Wasp anymore. I understand the concept of Wasp, but it, it's... Blackie, I think you should call it Blackie Lawless because it's not really Wasp anymore. Think about it. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm talking, you know, uh, logically. I'm not talking about it. It has nothing to do with emotion or feeling or anything. I mean, it's just, it's not Wasp anymore. How's that Wasp? You know? You know, it's, it's the idea of Wasp is, was a certain concept, you know? And I understand, but, he, uh, you know, he's, he, he ought to call himself, call him, like Alice Cooper. You know, Alice Cooper will call it Blackie Lawless because it's really, it's really that, you know? And, uh, I just, I just don't think that that it, it doesn't fit, you know, whatever. But I guess it's, a, you know, it's not, you know, it's, that's just my opinion, man. I don't, I, got, I have no, no hard feelings against anybody, you know. I think I would love to do a reunion. I think, I think that we should do a reunion, me and Blackie and Chris and whichever, whether we get Steve Riley or Frank Vanelli or Stud Holland, that'd be killer. I think it would kick fucking ass. I think people would go nuts for it, man. Yeah, in American. Uh, I'd love to play with Blackie again because I'll tell you what, I love singing with the guy, man. That guy's got such a, you know, he's, he sings great. And when him and I sing together, it sounds like Beatle harmonies. Oh, it's great. Like yeah. we did those videos on uh, 
we did uh, uh, the Idol, and we did uh, Hold On to My Heart and stuff, which is acoustic guitar. Him and I, man, we harmonize so good together. Him and I, I love singing with him because I can blend. We blend. I just think we blend, and I, I would love to do a reunion with him. I really do, would man. I wish, I wish he would, I wish he would consider it. I really do. Uh, I think he should, especially. I mean, he's just. Uh, I think they just uh, had to replace a drummer again. You know, you you start turning. Yeah, yeah. Mike Mike Dupke left. I don't know why, but he left, and uh, so I, I'm sure that they've. Uh, I'm sure they replaced him because he got, I think he's got some shows coming up. I don't know for sure because I don't I don't follow it, you know. But I know that. Um, you know, I think a reunion will be. I think a reunion will be will be cool, man. And I think that I I believe that people that it would get tons of people would come to see us if we did got back together. Yep. Don't you? Oh, yes, I do. I think that'd be awesome. I would love to see Wasp, for one, get back to America touring. They haven't been able to really tour America. I'm, you know, not saying anything bad about Blackie Lawless. I'm a huge Wasp fan, but they had some uh, some issues, some cancellations uh, about 10 years ago on a tour, and I think American uh, venues are, are kind of reluctant to book, you know, Wasp at this yeah. point. But get, you get yeah. you guys back together, I think that they, that they would be reopening the American market, don't you think? Well, I'll tell you, man, I mean, music, the music business is, has really, really changed in the last 10, 15 years. And, uh, you know, sad to say, I mean, some of this stuff is just garbage. It really is. That's just my opinion. I'm not, not all of it, but I think some of it is just garbage. And it's, and it's just, it's become so, so uh, homogenized. It's, been, it's become so, uh, you know, computerized and, and, and all those things. It's just not even the human, you know, we need to get back to the humans playing. Humans playing instruments, you know, and, uh, I understand about digital and computer all that shit. I do understand, but it's like rock and roll. It's the same brain surgery, man. It's rock and roll. It's meant to be. It's meant to be hard and rough and gritty and, and played and, and not perfect and things like that. It's, it's just you know I come from a different generation, whatever you want to call it. You know, you know I grew up in the you know in the early seventies. You know in the seventies, shit. You know, <laughs> like the Who bands like that, Black Sabbath. I bought them damn albums when they were new. When they were just a released, you know. <laughs> now you can go see them on their farewell tour, the final tour for Black Sabbath. Forty years later, how about that? I know. I remember buying buying a Black Sabbath Paranoid album when it came out, <laughs> and the first one was already out. That was like eighth grade. I mean, I saw Led Zeppelin in nineteen seventy three, the House of the Holy tour. I was fifteen years old. I was there. I saw House of the Holy tour. So Fifteen years old, man. I seen Pink Floyd and Alice Cooper, Billion Dollar Babies that same year. Dark Side of the Moon and Billion Dollar Babies tour that same year, seventy three. Shit. <laughs> well, okay, last question. If you could play with one band, one artist, who would it be? You know, you know what? You know what? It's so hard for me to answer because I have so many different tastes of like, like one of my favorite bands of all time is is Original Genesis. You know, yes. the original Genesis. I would love to play in the original Genesis, you know, with Peter Gabriel and Phil Collins and all of them. The original Genesis, not the one you know, out there loving. But, but at the same time, I'd love to play with ACDC. But I'd also love to play with uh, King Crimson. I'd love to play with, yes, you know, I'd play, I see I have so many, my, my musical taste is, is so, there's so many different sides of it because, because I grew up at a time when, it, you know, it didn't, you didn't have to be top 40 and you didn't have to be a pop hit, you know. You just had it, it was a progressive, you know. So, I'd love to play with Hendrix. I'd love to play with Jim Morris, you know. There's, there's no way that I could, there's no way that I could ever pick my favorite band of all time or like my favorite artist of all time. I couldn't do it. I can't do it because there, there's too many because I, because I can't, you can't, I, I don't see how you can compare Jimi Hendrix to Genesis. You can't. Totally different. But they're two great, great, great things, you know. So, but for, for me, it, there's no way I could say there's one. I, I could never say it. There's not. I could never tell you who my favorite band is, and I could never say it's my favorite artist because I have so many different tastes in music. Because I, I appreciate it all. I also like Tchaikovsky. You know what I mean? I love Tchaikovsky and symphonic music. You know, and stuff like that. So you know, 
I like Big Ben, Big Ben uh, music, uh, Glenn, Glenn Miller, shit like that. Because I, 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 I studied music when I was young, you know? And so I appreciate all different kinds. So there's no way I could ever say, I, I, people have asked me that many times, they go, who's your favorite band there? I said, I can't, I, there's no way, I, there's too many, there's too many great ones to say who's better. You know what I mean? Absolutely, absolutely. I could do compare Genesis to ACDC. You can't. You can't. I mean, it's totally different. But one is just as great as the other, you know, and what they do. That's why I tell these young people. I go, you know what, man? Just remember this. Don't try to be like anybody else. You know what? Nobody can do what you do better than you. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I can't, I can't be Chris Squire from Yes, you know, but he can't be me. You see, so he can't do what I do better than me, but I can't do it. So I say, do what you do. You, you, you know, you know, nobody can do what you do better than you. I always remember that. Absolutely, Johnny Rod. I'll tell you what, we've already uh, kept you too long. Thank you so much for your time. Here on the Music Media Podcast. Wow! That's- I love you! I'm going to be singing that Saturday night. I'm going to go, I want to be somebody, Mr. Body Shoot! Well, there you heard it. That was back in September of 2015 with Johnny Rod. We certainly hope things are going better for Johnny. Again, I've been in contact with him via text. We're supposed to catch up soon, hopefully for a follow-up interview. But I just wanted, since that interview never aired um, on a proper podcast format, I wanted to bring that to you guys um, that have you know been loyal fans and, and listened to this podcast ever since that uh, it finally did go up on iTunes. You know, back in around this time, it was right after this interview that wound up um, getting the show properly on a podcast format. So for four years now, we've been doing that and it's never aired. So it finally has happened. Guys, I hope you enjoyed it. Love to hear your feedback on that. Um, At the time, of course, it went kind of viral in the 80s metal community, as viral as something can go amongst 80s rock fans. That definitely did. But Johnny's a great bassist, man. I loved his work with Wasp. There's an acoustic performance that's available on YouTube that he did with Blackie Lawless. It was just he and Blackie. And they did this acoustic version of um, Hold On To My Heart and The Idol. Tremendous musically. I've always said Blackie Lawless is one of the most underrated songwriters in the history of rock. I really believe that. And um, he can write a ballad as well as anyone. Wasp ballads are never really cheesy like others were in the 80s. Wasp was always more serious and in your face but also their ballads just had more depth to them. I always like songs like Forever Free, um, Sleeping in the Fire, and um, Hold On To My Heart's awesome as well. And then The Idol, the whole Crimson Idol album is tremendous. Tells a story, and Johnny Rod was a part of that. So, you know, it's important that, um, you know, that we not glorify kind of the behaviors that Johnny was exhibiting. It wasn't exactly, you know, his best moment. But it was also something that was, you know, we hadn't, you know, Johnny hadn't done a lot of interviews. Then all of a sudden, here he is, and it was like this surreal moment where he's drinking and driving and, and partying and, and kind of going crazy. But we're going to hope to catch up with Johnny again, you know, down the road and kind of clear the air on some of that stuff and uh, talk about that interview. And uh, hopefully he's in a better place now. But guys, we can't thank you enough for joining us here on the Music Mania podcast. Some big shows coming up. I got Iron Maiden next week. I'm heading to Vegas for that show. Cannot wait for that. This is the Legacy of the Beast Tour. The, tr- the set list is tremendous. Finally, for the first time as a huge Iron Maiden fan, getting to hear Flight of Icarus live. I can't wait. One of my favorite Maiden songs, and it is going to happen. I have been a fan for so long and seen them in so many different states, so many different venues. This is my first time in Vegas to see them. So heading out there next week, can't wait to do that. And um, 
you know, just can't wait. Uh, Raven Age is the opening band. Um, George Harris, who is, of course, the son of Steve Harris, Iron Maiden's bassist. Uh, they are the openers for this, so can't wait to catch up with them. It's going to be great. Uh, got Queens Right coming up here, and then the Louder Than Life Festival, which you heard the promo in the middle of the podcast. It is coming up in Louisville, Kentucky at the end of the month. Things are just heating up here on the Music Mania Podcast, even though summer may be slowly fading into the sunset. We can't thank you enough for joining us. we got some big stuff coming in the next couple weeks, so please uh, keep checking back. The website, musicmaniapodcast.com. Love to hear that um, feedback on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can always find us on all those mediums. Thank you so much for joining us right here on the Music Mania Podcast.